All right. Hey, people. I want to welcome you to tonight's episode of Bible News Radio. I am your sweet, lovable host. Yeah, I am Stacey Glenn Harp. Glad you're here. And uh, tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the headlines of the day that maybe you have not seen. Because, you know, the liberal media is not going to show them to you. So do me a favor, if you don't mind, if you're watching live, feel free to share this out. We're going to watch the replay, you can do that too. Um, and uh, let's get to it. Alright, let's get to it. This is this has been a very interesting week for, for the news. I'm going to tell you that right now. Yeah, I am. But first, I'm going to read from Psalm 15. Psalm of David, he says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he t- nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised but who honors those who fear the Lord he swears to his own hurt and does not change he does not put out his money at interest nor does he take a bribe against the innocent he who does these things will never be shaken yeah so that's Psalm 15 so you're probably wondering why I'm playing this or saying it (laughs) I'm saying it because I feel like it. No, just kidding. Actually, well, I mean, I do because I'm. <laughs> I feel like saying it, so I did. Um, anyway, okay, let me let me pause this. Hold on one minute. There we go. Okay. All right. Until we get like smack producers and stuff to do this, I get to do it all, and I'm super happy about that. Okay. So let's let's go back to Psalm of David first of all in in Psalm 15. So. Earlier today, Randall and I were watching a speech that Julie Royce gave about a year ago or so, a couple years ago, almost two years ago. And if you don't know who Julie is, Julie Royce, um, she she is a reporter. She's a journalist, actually, and she has a very popular uh, website where God has called her to expose, let's say, the unfruitful deeds of darkness and, and really to expose the things that... Um, are, it's really the underbelly of the church, right? What's going on inside the church, whether it's exposing Ravi Zacharias uh, for his sex, his sex capades, or James McDonald for being a narcissistic abuser, or Bill Hybels, or any of the other, you know, the situation at Moody, Moody, the call it the the college. Um, or any of the other stuff that's out there right now, which we will look at something later in the show I pulled. Um, anyway, Julie was given the speech and I've been blessed. I actually had her on my show a couple of years ago uh, before she went big with, with what she's doing now. Something she said really struck me and I, I wanted to share it with you and, it's, and I'm paraphrasing it, but... I got to share it with you because I thought, ah, this is so true. 
It's so, so, so true. And I, and and just before I say what it was she said, let me just share what I, I will share. Okay, I've been, I've been sitting behind a microphone for about 16 years covering the news from a biblical perspective, right? Learning apologetics from a cultural point of view. And, and, you know, the Lord put me in this position. I have no doubt, none whatsoever, because this wasn't my plan. <laughs> my plan was to be a therapist, right? To be a marriage and family therapist and all that. But at the very same time I was leaving graduate school, uh, the Traditional Values Coalition, some of the leaders in that company ministry came to me and Randall and said, would you go to a GLSEN conference on our behalf so that you can bring back to us what they're doing? I didn't even know what GLSEN was back then, but it's the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. Um, I said, sure, why not? <laughs> I don't have anything better to do. Why not go down to Los Angeles and hang out with some gay activists and figure out what they're doing and bringing it back to the Christian right, right? So that's what I did. Randall and I did that. We went back. Um, it was a three-day event that we attended. Um, at the time, I was heavily into listening to Janet Parcells America, which was a Christian radio show that covered political issues. Um, and she was on Salem Radio at the time. Now Janet is actually on Moody Radio. Anyway, long story short, I got immersed into the world of activism and not only looking at how the enemy comes in and tries to plunder the camp of the godly, but the even more stunning thing, and Randall can confirm this, was after we spent a weekend looking at what these people were doing intentionally to our children, we came back to our church and we tried to tell other believers what was going on, and it was crickets. I mean, it was crickets. Actually, at the time, I had an email list, and, and I had called my ministry at that time, um, E-Involved, which stood for Email Involved. It was like email activism, right? So this was like like 16 years ago, okay? So, at the and, and here's the thing. At the time, I was sending out emails and asking people to pray for these situations and everything. And then at the end, I would ask for prayer for the persecuted church because at the time, The Voice of the Martyrs was a magazine and a ministry I respected. And I was trying to get people to wake up to Christian persecution. Well, to make a long story short, I had people at my church get ticked off at me because I shared this stuff. I mean, you know, I had, pe I had people at my church and, you know, remember 16 years ago, let's say, let's just round it up to 20, almost 20 years ago. I was in my early thirties. I was just a kid. I mean, comparatively to today, I'm almost 53 now. So, I mean, I was, I was in my mid twenties, early thirties at that point. So I, I didn't understand then what I understand now, but what, what really blew me away was how these believers were getting mad at me for exposing the homosexual agenda and other stuff. Well, anyway, long story short, time passed and through a very weird series <laughs> of interesting circumstances, I ended up um, doing the show. 
um, which has evolved over time. But one thing I have noticed and that that I noticed right off was that within the Christian right, there is a, um, it, it's a machine. It's a machine. Okay. Um, and, and there, there was a time when I was like all gung ho on the Christian right, right? I, mean, I used to be the number one cheerleader for Janet Parcel, which I am not now, but I used to be, and she could have confirmed that for you. <laughs> but I was like, I was like all over. I was so excited. Yeah, let's go ahead. We're going to do this stuff. I mean, I was gung-ho right because i was naive i was hurting at the time i had lost my mother to cancer and it just you know i i knew there was a sense of justice and stuff but i was like you know what anything that these people say on the christian right i'm going to totally believe it no matter what well as it turned out i through what i do just started getting connected to people everywhere I mean, everywhere. I've had people on this show that most people, if I actually had a list of all my guests, I think some of you would probably fall out of your chair because you'd be like, really? I can't believe you had that guy on your show. Um, I have had, you know, pretty much anybody Janet Parcel's had on her program, I've had on mine. Okay. And you know what I can tell you is that Christian media is a business. And there is a big evangelical complex of bullies in it, right? Uh, the Voice of the Martyrs, through this experience, I ended up becoming a contract blogger for the Voice of the Martyrs, which is the number one ministry in the world to the persecuted church, right? My friend Paul, who worked for another ministry at the time, this was about 16 years ago, he came to me because he saw my email, my involved email, and he's like, hey, you know, why don't I hire you to write a blog for Voice of the Martyrs? And, you know, and at the time I was starving grad student, I'm like, sure, why not? So I went ahead and I started writing. In fact, that's honestly where I made most of my money in my whole life is, is as a writer. I know, hard to believe, huh? <laughs> so I start writing the VOM blog um, and one of the things that I quickly learned was that they are bullies. The Voice of the Martyrs is a bully. They bully all the other little ministries that minister to the persecuted church. And what I can tell you is that they treated me like crap. And I'm, and I'm just being honest. They completely treated me like crap. Like I was this like stepchild out on the skirts. They, they barely communicated with me. If I did anything wrong, they would yell at me because they didn't communicate with me and tell me what they wanted, but I built their blog. Well, a number of years into doing this, Tom White, who was the executive director, I think that was his official title, he committed suicide on the campus of the Voice of the Martyrs, which is located in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And you can do a Google News search, look up Tom White, Voice of the Martyrs, suicide, and you will find very few articles about it because by and large, the Christian right buried it, including Janet Parshall. But why did Tom commit suicide? I mean, suicide's awful. Nobody should commit it, period. But the reason Tom did was because he was under investigation for child molestation. Well, if you know who Tom is in the world of Christian persecution, one of the things that you would know is that he was touted as this great Christian missionary, uh, persecuted Christian to Cuba. 
So he actually spent time in jail for his faith in Cuba. And now all of a sudden, all these years later, he's killing himself, found dead on the campus of the Voice of the Martyrs headquarters in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Well, in case you've never been to Bartlesville, <laughs> Oklahoma, one of the things I can tell you is it's an armpit. It's a little, it's a little <laughs> place in Oklahoma where, just like here in Tennessee, Dave Ramsey employs a lot of people, right? Voice of the Martyrs actually employs a lot of people. And the other thing I will tell you is that their chief of police and other people prominent in the community happen to be on the board of the Voice of the Martyrs. So guess what happened to the whole story? Yeah, you're right. It was spiked. It was buried. It was very rarely discussed. Meanwhile, however, the Christian right, a number of years ago, they had an opportunity to put up Mike Huckabee, governor of Arkansas at the time, to run for president. And the Christian right in the evangelical complex, they decided rather than put Mike up, who actually hold, held our Christian values, they put up a Mormon by the name of Mitt Romney, who happens to be the father of homosexual marriage in America, in case you didn't know that. Mitt Romney, when he was governor, actually signed the very first bill into law legalizing homosexual marriage in Massachusetts. Well, I have some friends who... <laughs> who let me in on all this stuff, right? So I, I started seeing this stuff and, and you know, one thing led to another and my eyes began to get open to the fact that there's nothing but a lot of corruption within the Christian media world. I've been treated uh, with disdain by big names, I could tell you later. But I mean, it's, 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 it's sad. It's sad. And so this comes back to the situation with Julie as I was listening to her thing. Well, Julie is a woman of God who's exposed a lot of a lot of stuff. God has used her to kind of take the lid off the corruption in the church, okay? But one of the things that she shared in this message of hers was she shared that often she'll get this this argument back to her. Why are you doing this? Why are you sharing so much stuff? Why are you airing the church's dirty laundry? You're making us all look bad. And and I kind of chuckled when I heard that because I thought, yeah, I've heard that before, you know. And this is what she said that she thought was very interesting. She said, you know, it's interesting that people, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically interesting that that people will put up other Christian people as idols of sorts, right? And they care more about the reputation of the people, the leaders, etc., than they do about God himself. And so she actually threw this question out or this, this, I, this idea out about, do you care more about God's reputation or your own? And I thought, you know what? That's a great question. And then she cited a verse in Revelation when she talked about, um, you know, one of the, the things that, uh, you know, cowards will not enter the kingdom of heaven, basically. Okay. Now, I'm told all the time, and I and I and I take it as a high compliment. I have people tell me all the time that that I've encouraged them to be bold in their faith and all of that. And the reason I I take that as a compliment is because so few are, um, so few people are. But I'm going to tell you what this Psalm of David here. You know, you want to know who's going to abide in God's temple. 
who's going to dwell on his holy hill? Let's look at this for a second. Okay. Oh, Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? Of course, it's talking about Jerusalem here, I believe. But he says, he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. I'm going to tell you something, guys. I hate to say it. But there's a lot of these p people who are the top Christian leaders in this country who are nothing but liars and scoundrels and they're evil. And, and they're on their way to hell ultimately, right? Because they're deceiving people. They're not people of integrity. They don't, they, all they care about is money and, and they're liars. They don't speak truth in their hearts. And it says here, he does not slander with his tongue, <laughs> which I know a couple of you might be going, really, Stacey, what you're doing right now is slandering with your tongue. Not really. Nor does he evil, does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. Let me ask you something. If you've ever been a whistleblower, and I have, by the way, um, it, you can see really quickly who your friends are when you out something or someone for the evil that they've done. Right? How many, how many of you out there have ever had the courage to expose somebody or something that no one else would. You know, I did it when I was 14 years old and I've actually done it later as well in, in other, you know, areas of my life as well. But, but, you know, when you take that stand against evil, I will tell you something, evil always runs and hides because evil's a coward. You know, evil puts on a great show, but when the light exposes it, it's gone. You know, which is why we have to be bold in our faith, because we're the little lights in the world. Jesus said that. We're, we're, we are the light of the world, right? Why would we want to hide our light under a, you know, a bushel? Or why would, you know, why would we want to hide our light? And yet a lot of people do. And yet some don't because they're not really lights anyway. You know, they're burned out. They're not, they're not even born again. They pretend they are, but they're not. And then it says here, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, he swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Can't serve God in money. You can't. You know, and, and it's funny because... The, the way the Christian world, the media world wants you to believe is that the bigger a ministry is, the more effective it is. But that is not true. It's not. It's not true. You know, and one of the latest ministries that Julie has exposed is John MacArthur. Hey, you know what? I used to listen to him all the time. But now I've learned things about that guy and his ministry. And I'm like, I wish I couldn't say I was surprised. But I am a little bit, you know, it, it saddens me that the Christian world will elevate somebody up here and treat other people down here. But you know what? Never forget this. We are all on level ground at the foot of the cross. You know, Jesus didn't die a special death for John MacArthur or Ravi Zacharias. He didn't go to the cross a special way for the Christian celebrities of the world. No, he didn't. He died one for all.
and we're all equal in his sight. He doesn't play favorites, and yet we do. And I'm going to tell you something. Favoritism is one of the biggest sins that is talked about in the New Testament. Have you read the book of James lately? You know, I had, I just recently had a guest on my show who, who's, who in her day was a pretty big name, who completely, <laughs> you know, I just completely falls into that category of treating somebody like me as a peon, as opposed to Dr. Phil, who let's say isn't. And yet, is Dr. Phil really saved? Do we really know? I don't know. But what I will say is that God, God is not mocked. And you know what? Be very careful with who you put on a pedestal in the Christian world because we're not supposed to be doing that. We're supposed to be putting Jesus up. We're supposed to be honoring him and caring more about his reputation than our own, you know? And you know what? There's people at work, they'll compromise. They'll say, oh, I can't do anything. I don't want to go to a Bible study because what will people think of me? Who gives a crap what people think of you? Really? It shouldn't matter what people think of you. You know, if you see somebody doing something as a Christian and you know it's wrong, call it out. Do it in a loving way, in an appropriate way. But if if your job is on the line or something like that and people are doing stuff, you know what? God will vindicate you. If you're if you're if you're a person of integrity, God will vindicate you. You know what? It's it's about time we, we get ourselves out of the equation and say, wait a minute, this is not about us. And the other thing I want to say is that Julie talked about how <clears throat> you know how um you know we care about uh, we don't care about God's opinion so much, you know, his reputation. But here's the thing. With all the stuff that she's exposed, where has the true repentance been? You know, we we like to cavalierly throw around um, Second Chronicles 7, um, 7.14, I think it is, or First Chronicles. I think it's Second Chronicles. But, you know, if my people who are called by, the, by my name humble themselves and pray and, you know, that passage. Um, where does that happen? Where's a real nation that repents? I mean, I will tell you in scripture, we have a great example of Nineveh that repented, right? I mean, this was the wickedest nation on the planet at the time. I mean, the stuff they did was vile beyond words, which is why Jonah didn't want to go there. He, he was like, ah, these, these are my enemies. I don't want to go there. They deserve to die and burn, right? <laughs> But God had a plan and he, you know, swallowed him. He got swallowed in a big fish and threw up. And anyway, and he went up, he preached this great sermon. The whole nation repented, right? And God relented. He didn't destroy that nation, you know? And that says something. If the wickedest place on the planet at the time repented because God's word was sent to them, can America repent? Yeah. Yeah. Will America repent? It has to begin with the church. The Bible says that the judgment begins with the house of God. And I believe, and I've been seeing this, I believe that all of these things that we're seeing that have been exposed in the church from the sexual abuse and all this other stuff is God's way of trying to purify the church. You know, he's coming for a spotless bride, but the, the question is, are you part of it? Are, are you part of it? 
you know? I, I really want you to examine your heart and your, and your life and to see if you're really in the faith. Because this isn't something to joke about. You know, it's one thing to wear a Christian label. It's another thing to be a disciple. And, you know, the Bible says to pick up your cross daily. If you're a disciple, you're picking up your cross daily. That's death to yourself. It's not comfortable. It might mean you walk alone for a while. It might mean you lose your job. It might mean you don't have any advancement somewhere. It might mean your life gets uncomfortable. But you'll be with the Lord. And he, he'll always have your back, you know. Today is my dad's uh, 93rd birthday. He's not here. <laughs> He's not here on this earth. But, you know, I was telling Randall this morning that, you know, I kind of feel like some days we, we live in this parallel universe. And in some ways, we really do, if you think about it. Heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. I praise God that my dad went to heaven, you know, and that he is there. And I'm happy for him that he's there. But it's like, how do I get there? Right? Well, the way we're getting there is through death, ultimately. And... That day will come for all of us. Maybe some of us will be raptured. It'd be cool. Be part of that generation. But if we're not, we have a job to do here. And it's about time that we be bold in the faith and, and lay aside our own reputation and consider God's first. You know what? Paul said in Romans 1 that he is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it's the power of God it gives us salvation for all of those who believe to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And part of being unashamed is putting God first. You know, some read your Bible, memorize the word of God. Talk about his ordinances, his law. Rejoice in that, the law of liberty, you know. Let the Lord change you into the person he wants you to be for his kingdom. Not for this world, but for his, his world, his kingdom. And see what happens. Um, I think you'll be on a ride that you'll never forget. And it'll be one of the best things ever. But it won't be about you. It won't be about you. Um, I want to commend to you Julie Roy's... Uh, speech that she gave um, and I am going to type it up <clears throat> and I will share it with you in the chat over on the on um on uh, YouTube so that you can you can uh, check it out but it's called Julie Roy's an unmistakable move of God I want you to go watch this video it's about an hour long she's giving a speech and she's explaining the behind-the-scenes way God worked with her to call her to expose the stuff in the in the body of Christ. You know what? She isn't somebody who is um, giving the church a black eye. She's somebody who's exposing the filthiness in the church and calling the church to a place of repentance and holiness, which is what the Lord wants, a spotless bride. Not one that's messed up the way that it currently is.
And that's hard because I'm going to tell you something. One of the things in the church that's rampant is sexual abuse and bullying from narcissistic leaders. Um, and having been a victim of both of those things, I can tell you that it is tough to stand up against that stuff uh, unless you have God's strength. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, and we'll talk about that at some other point. But um, Randall, do you want to weigh in on this? Because I know you sat in on that. That, that message that we listened to earlier. And I just felt this was on my heart, probably even more so than the, than the, the news, because I think it's important, you know, that people understand the courage that she had, you know, she was called for such a time as this, but I think that there's, um, yeah, people just don't know. Yeah. As I shared with you, uh, during that, what we took a break, um, yeah, so I could, uh, deliver a prize to a <laughs> chalk art contest winner. Anyway, uh, what stood out to me, primarily several things, but one that really hit me is that she had that one guy who gave her a CD recording of James McDonald when had an open mic and didn't realize it anyway. Right. And he said... He didn't think of anything anything of it at the time because he talks that way all the time. Right. It's like so it's not like it's not like these many mega church and mega ministry leaders are doing these things in private. You know, maybe maybe away from the cameras and the mainstream media, but those close to them know what kind of people they are and the things that came out of that, you know, the harvest, not Mm-hmm. Not the Greg Glory, but but the you know the um, the James McDonald led you know mega ministry. Yeah, walk in the word. Yeah, uh, you know what came out of all that was not just this recording, but many many a testimony of people that uh, you know was were eyewitnesses to all sorts of n- narcissistic, slanderous. Um, just um yeah cruel cruelty cruel words and practices coming out of this guy's life and and (laughs) the way i read the way i read the bible about you know who elders and overseers should be uh none of those things are among the qualifications and and the fact that people were just used to it they're afraid of losing their job or afraid of whatever um i'm sorry uh you plus God is a majority, so I'd rather be on the side of righteousness than the side of complacency and cowardness. Um, yeah, that's what really shocked me. I mean, there's all these other people at that level in the ministry that just keep their mouth shut and they're yes men. And it's like, why? I mean, it's not like you're working for corporate America. We're talking about the church of God. Right. right. And so... Yeah. Yeah, and I I mean I will tell you, you know, um it is I think because I was raised by a narcissistic mother uh who who was somebody who was extremely abusive. I mean, you know, you if you don't know what it's like to be constantly set up by somebody who's like this, okay. So my mom was very charismatic in some ways. Okay. She she could charm people. Um, 
she was one way on the outside, right? Everybody would look at her and, oh, she's a great, you know, oh, she's so sweet. She does this. She's giving blah, blah, whatever. Right. But behind closed doors, the woman was a monster. And, um, you know, it, it, you know, she, she handed me over to a relative to be molested for most of my childhood, knowing that that was going on. Okay. That's my mama. Let that just sit you, hit you for a second, okay? My mother handed me over to be molested by another relative, and she knew it. She, she did it on purpose. And when I came to Christ as a 14, 13, 14-year-old, 14 and I turned him in to the police, hear me. She forced me to lie to the police and recant that story so he could get out of jail. He got 25 years in jail for the crimes he committed against me. Let that sink in, okay? Child molesters don't just get 25 years in jail for nothing. Why do I bring this up? I bring it up because that's the epitome of narcissistic abusers. And if you've been in that situation and you've stood up to it, your whole world goes like this and you're like, whoa, you, it's hard to know what side is up, what's right, what's true. And a lot of people coming out of that situation, I can't fault some of these people because if they've been abused, they're sucked into people's ministries and things like that. They want validation. They want love. They want affirmation. And these monsters do that. They'll bring you in. They'll affirm you. And then they'll start to nitpick at you and abuse you verbally and emotionally till they get you wrapped around their finger. And then you come back crawling like a beaten woman. Because that's basically what it is. It's a cycle of domestic violence, except it's all emotional. And sometimes it's financial and they lord certain things over you and they control you. Totally control you. It happened to me in the live streaming community with a certain business coach some of you might know. And, you know, people, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you would not believe the video evidence I have. But what I will tell you is God knows, right? You stand up against these monsters and they'll try to make it all about you and how evil you are. It's like, uh, nope, don't think so. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage to stand up to evil. And evil, when they're, when it's exposed, will run. Don't forget, evil's been defeated. And we are now kingdom, we are children in the kingdom of light. We're not in the darkness. Right? So our goal is to walk with our Lord, who is love, and who we can trust. And we can trust the Lord. Right? But sometimes it, it, it's kind of hard because we're like, well, I don't know if I can trust God. Well, you can. You can trust God, but the way you get to know God is through his word. And if a ministry isn't dragging you into the word of God, get out of that ministry. If they're saying, read one verse and blah, blah, do this, whatever, leave it. Don't give your money there. Give it somewhere else. You know, read the Bible for yourself. God gave us the Holy Spirit so that he'll teach us. It's good to be trained, obviously, if you can. But, you know, it, it's 
there's no excuse for the believer, you know. And, you know, it's funny to me that as I read through the word, you know, I, I think about the constant phrase over and over and over and over and over again, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, you know, don't be afraid, stand firm, don't lose heart in doing good. <laughs> you know, there's all these encouragements from the Lord. Hey, you can do it. Yeah, you can. Here's some armor, put that on, you know. Uh, here's the way not to worry. Here's here's the way to do this. And I have to practice this. I'm telling you. I Last night during the show, I'll tell you something. Last night during the show, I could barely feel in my neck at all. Internally, part of me was freaking out, thinking, oh my gosh, I can't feel my neck. I got this weird pinched nerve. It's ugh. And it's it's like it's like one of my thorns in the flesh, you know, to to get obsessed with how I physically feel. So it messes me up. And I, was, I told Randall, I said, I don't know if I can do the show. I got to just do it and just ignore this stuff because the enemy will come at me in ways that is bizarre in some ways. <laughs> like, what the heck? Just so you know, I'm okay tonight. You know, my, my muscles are more relaxed and the, the nerve isn't pinched as much. But, you know, it's these little things, the warfare in your mind um, you know, to to distract you, you know, against who God is, right? Who he really is. Because you can think you know who he is, but unless you're reading the word of God, you don't know who he is. So I'll just, I'll just save that for that. And, and um, let's look at this article now titled, Check Your Civil Liberties at the Door. I'm from the government and I'm here to vaccinate. Okay. Now this whole vaccination issue is controversial and and you know I've me and Randall have both said um, that we are not vaccinated and we have no desire to get vaccinated and one of the things I will tell you is that if you want to get vaccinated go for it it's your body your choice to do what you want you can do what's right for you I think we can do what is right for us the thing is that only God knows really, right? But here's this article. It says here, Tony Perkins, he says, most people were shocked when the president wanted to go door to door with his vaccine campaign, but that's only the half of it. According to a Pentagon spokesman, the White House is also planning to go barracks to barracks, requiring the men and women of our voluntary military to involuntarily surrender their freedom and take an unproven shot. Some of them don't want. Frankly, Obama Defense Secretary Leon Panetta told CNN, I think the president ought to issue an order requiring everybody in the military to get a COVID-19 shot, period. That's an issue involving our national security, he argued. The last D thing you need is to have those in the military that are our warriors unable to respond to a mission because they've gotten COVID-19. There's no excuse for that. Interesting, considering that the same military leadership has been cheerleading the troops' gender reassignment surgery, which renders patients completely undeployable for months. Apparently, it's no problem if you skip out on your job for the extreme LGBT cause. But if you have a personal objection to the vaccine, well then, a handful of potential sick days is unacceptable. Republicans, who've been absolutely outraged at the government's heavy-handedness, introduced a bill to stop the Pentagon from forcing the shots, which have not yet received a final FDA approval on our troops. Don't miss that, by the way. Yes. 
By the way, just so you know, in case you haven't figured it out, there is no FDA approval on these things. Just so you know, those of you who've taken it, um, yeah. Although the vaccination rates are high across every branch, Representative Thomas Massey, Republican in Kentucky, says he's been contacted by members of the military who vow to quit the COVID shots are forced on them. And it's no wonder Congressman Mo Brooks, Republican Alabama, explains, keep in mind, he told listeners on Washington Watch, it's not received final approval from anybody, and there are enough new red flags with the Johnson Johnson vaccine to make young people think twice. As deadly as the virus has been, Brooks points out, certain age groups are in more danger than others. That's not to say there's no risk, but it is substantially lesser for the people who are serving in our military. So right now, I very much prefer that our military personnel have the right to choose for themselves, exercise their free will, exercise their liberty to decide for themselves which risk they want to accept, whether that's the risk of the virus or the vaccine. I hope that they'll make the right decision, Brooks added, but it ought to be their decision because it is a life and death one. In the, in the Marines where... And this is Tony Perkins, who used to be a Marine, by the way, where I got more immunizations than I than I could count. No one was ever ordered to get a flu shot. And essentially, that's what this is. It's not a vaccine in the traditional sense because it won't protect people from the virus for forever. That's not to say it doesn't have value. It offers protections to people, especially in the high risk categories. But the fact that the Defense Department has its fingers on the trigger of a mandate as they alluded to the last few days, ought to be concerning to everyone. Brooks says he finds it disconcerting that the military would have this kind of order already drafted and ready to unleash, particularly insofar as it relates to a vaccine that has not been thoroughly vetted and tested. When the FDA gives its blessing, that's one thing, but there's still the issue, he points out, of taking the vaccine versus the risks associated with the youth catching COVID. And I much prefer that we defer that to the liberty and freedom and good judgment of our military personnel, all of whom are adults, and I believe that they are mature enough to be able to make that decision for themselves. Regardless, that, uh, this idea that the government feels entitled to dictate what's best for us ought to sound all kinds of alarm bells. Just this week, the White House doubled down on the idea of vaccine mandates, arguing that it's the, quote, right, unquote, of local officials and employers to demand it. As for Biden's widely panned door-to-door -door intimidation campaign, Representative Madison Cawthorn Republican North Carolina warned over the weekend where it could lead. Think about those mechanisms. mechanisms. <sighs> There's always one word people um, could be used for. They could go door to door and take your guns. They could go door to door and take your Bibles. All right, I'm just going to stop there because this is really long. Bottom line... Believe it or not, this is happening in other countries. Randall found this other story for me. Do you want to, do you want to, do you want me to? Sure. Or did you want to make a comment? I was going to make a comment. Then by all means, make a comment. Well, my comment is that not FDA approved. This is the world's largest clinical 
trial. And that's a problem I have. I'm not saying I'm, you know, no tinfoil hat. See here that it's over on the counter. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Anyway, just kidding. It's a, okay. One, okay, there's this. It could be leading edge, this could be medical revolutionary, you know, science. Great. You know, let's have, let's have some more, you know, controls and trials so we know. And then let's get FDA approval and then let's distribute it. Okay. But there was this, this urgency to jump the gun where, where even though COVID for the, COVID-19 for the vast majority of people is not fatal. Nope. Um, many of these, these, uh, these vaccines have produced many fatalities um, and illnesses and um, go to the CDC site itself. We looked at the, the numbers. They're shocking. Um, so here we have this unapproved vaccine, three of them actually, Three of them out there, um, at least that I know of, <laughs> maybe more. And now they're saying, well, you know, this thing that's does not have FDA approval, uh, it's not going to work for the long haul anyway because there's this Delta variant now and you're probably going to have to get a vaccine every so on. And, okay, so that's, that's one thing, that it's not, doesn't have FDA approval. But there's this such this stigma. There's this there's this um, stigma attached to it that you're un American. You hate people if you don't get vaccinated. And I got several articles lined up here about this these door to door squads going to persuade people to get vaccinated. To me, that's what unsettles me is that something not FDA approved, that hasn't been thoroughly tested, is is in the world's largest clinical trial because it's being doled out to millions and millions of people to see how it works. And we're seeing how it works. Um, uh, a good percentage of illnesses and deaths related to these vaccines, and yet still pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And something, I say just something stinks. It's like you know we can we can hold all sorts of investigations and have you know uh, subpoenas issued and stays issued on things and restraining orders and say you know at the court levels hey let's get this figured out first or let's put a hold on this until we learn the facts but none of that going on <laughs> we know a lot of facts and still there's the push 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 it's like I don't know I don't feel good about it that's the bottom line. I'm amazed I married him. <laughs> I am. I mean, I think about I think about when I met you and and you know and all that and just you know our journey together. We there, there's been so many opportunities where we could have disagreed on certain things and and yet we don't. And I think it's because we're of the same mind biblically. Um, we understand things. But anyway, Randall gave me this story. Is it Tunisia? Yes. Okay, Tunisia. Um, says here, uh, Tunisia enlists military to get people jabbed as it battles third wave of infections. And this is in Africa. So it and, says, and jabbed, injected. That's sort of a, that's primarily a, a Britishism. Is it? Okay. Jabbed. <laughs> Which is so a little it more says accurate. here, 
Um, soldiers hold their rifles to guard a health care center in Kesra in the Selenia Governorate of Tunisia. Just so you know, I'm going to ignore a lot of these names. I'm just going to read it without saying the names. You already know it's in Tunisia. We'll just leave it at that. Okay, anyway. It's just how far Tunisian authorities have been forced to go so locals can get jabbed against the coronavirus. Tunisia, Tunisia rather, is facing a third wave of infections in a county where the health system is already crowded, forcing some regions to lock down again. They summoned me twice to take the vaccine in the city of whatever that is. And I refused to go. And when I heard of the arrival of the army, I decided to come from the vaccine because I voted for the Tunisian army. And for me, it's more honest than others. Um, Somebody named Kashra said, on Tuesday, France included Tunisia in its red list of countries with high COVID-19 risk because of the deteriorating health situation caused by the virus. On Monday, military health workers vaccinated persons over 60 years old or with comorbidities in Kesra and other regions of this other place. The vaccination campaign involving the military was launched last weekend in two regions, Selenia and Tatatuni, or however you say that, where, where at least 3,000 people received the jab. The North American, African rather, the North of African nation has reported Africa's highest per capita death toll from the pandemic. Currently, it's recording one of the highest per capita infection rates on the continent, according to data from John Hopkins University. Over the past month, confirmed virus infections in Tunisia have reached the highest daily levels since the pandemic began, but the vaccination rate remains low, the data shows. By Tuesday, the country had registered 501,923,000 cases, 406,000 people have recovered, and 16,494 deaths occurred, according to the John Hopkins University data. To help with the vaccination drive, President, whatever the person's name is, took the first dose of the vaccine on Monday in a bid to create awareness about the need to get inoculated. The health ministry announced the arrival of 85,410 doses of Pfizer this week, according to TAP, the country's news agency. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But let's get to this other story. So this week, my friend Natasha sent me this story. I don't know if you're still watching Natasha, but if you are, thank you for sending this to me. Uh, this is a article titled New Restrictions in Minnesota Seek to Sharply Curtail Conversion Therapy for Minors. I know a little bit about this topic. Um, a new Minnesota executive order sets out to protect minors in the state from so-called conversion therapy circumventing multiple defeats of statewide proposals in the Minnesota State Legislature. The new order signed Thursday by Governor Tim Wald seeks to limit minors' access to the practice, which aims to convert a person's sexual orientation or gender identity to heterosexual or cisgender. The therapy is widely discredited by medical experts. This is a day that Minnesota says, bring your authentic self. You'll be seen, heard, valued, and loved in this state, and we want you to be whoever you are. Uh, well, it's a Democrat, said at the signing ceremony. We see you, we hear you, we will make sure you are in a safe place to be who you are. And this law, this EO, will take one more step. The order 
is not an outright ban, which can only be accomplished through legislation in Minnesota. Efforts to do so have been blocked in recent years by the Republican majority in the state Senate. Which is a good thing, by the way. The Republicans are doing the right thing here. Instead, the order directs state agencies to leverage legal authorities, including licensing and insurance reimbursement, in order to have the effect of barring access to the practice, according to State Senator Scott Dibble, an openly gay state legislature who has long advocated for a ban. So, those of you who don't know, my background is as a marriage and family therapist. They're targeting that industry here. Okay? That's what that's talking about. If you're a therapist and you're licensed, this is a threat against your license. If you're a therapist and you bill insurance, this is basically them saying that they won't pay you. Um, anyway, the rest of this is, is just a bunch of hooey. Um, and it's just, it's nothing new, right? There's nothing new under the sun with this issue, so... So what we, and, and I will tell you that a couple of weeks back, I actually attended a Restored Hope Network conference, and there was a lot of people in that conference that spoke, uh, former transgender individuals, numerous former homosexuals, former lesbians, and in upcoming shows, I'm going to be doing some interviews with some of these individuals uh, so that you'll see the rest of the story, right? You'll hear the rest of the story that you're, you're never going to get in the liberal media because they don't want to, you know, they don't want you to know that homosexuality and all this other stuff is changeable and you can overcome it. It, it, it kind of sort of humors me, but it's delusion, not on my part there, but you know, this idea bring your authentic self, the authentic self. We would only know by what you're declaring. Um, that may be in complete opposition to physical reality. Your authentic self would seem to be more like an imaginary self, but they're proclaiming to be the authentic self, even though it's in direct opposition to everything tangible. Yeah. Just saying. All right, and the one last story, this is over on julieroys.com. Who I was talking about earlier today, a little while ago. Uh, court rules against university that pushed out Christian clubs. A federal appeals court has upheld a 2019 ruling against the University of Iowa affirming that the university discriminated, discriminated against a Christian club by stripping it and dozens of other religious clubs of their registered status. A three-judge panel of the U.S. Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals on Friday that was yesterday, by the way, found that a lower federal court correctly ruled that the university can't selectively deregister student organizations. That ruling came on a lawsuit filed by InterVarsity Christian Fellowship after university administrators deregistered its local chapter along with multiple other religious groups. We are hard-pressed to find a clearer example of viewpoint discrimination, the appeals court stated Friday in its ruling. Daniel Blomberg, an attorney with public interest legal group Beckett Law, representing, representing InterVarsity, asserted the ruling puts other universities on notice. Schools are supposed to be a place of free inquiry and open thought, but the school officials here punished opinions they didn't like and promoted ones they did, all while using taxpayer dollars to do it. University of Iowa had moved to deregister the groups after 
another faith-based group, business leaders in Christ, sued the university for kicking it off campus following a, a complaint that it wouldn't let an openly gay member seek a leadership post. The university exempts sororities, fraternities, and some sports clubs from its policy prohibiting sex discrimination and allows some groups to require members of specific racial groups, the appeals court said. It even allowed one group, Love Works, to require its members to sign a gay-affirming statement of Christian faith while disqualifying groups that required members to affirm different religious statements of faith. Let me guess. The university's choice to selectively apply the human rights policy against intervarsity suggests a preference for certain viewpoints, like those of Love Works over intervarsities. Circuit Judge Jonathan Allen Cobes wrote for the panel. The university focused its cleanup on specific religious groups and then selectively applied the human rights policy against them. Other groups were simply glossed over or ignored. Attorneys with the Iowa Attorney General's office listed on court filings as representing the university in the lawsuit did not immediately return phone messages Friday seeking comment. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, why is this important? Well, let me ask you something. Do you know who I am? (laughs) Do you know where I got saved? Literally. I was saved on a high school campus. La Sierra High School in Riverside, California is where I got born again. Okay, so this is a university level, right? This is a higher level than, than, than the school. But the point, my point is, is that there are people who really get saved in these, in these clubs and they really do become leaders in the Christian world, you know, in their area of influence. These clubs are needed, especially today when you have so much indoctrination from the left. Um, basically, you know, every viewpoint under the sun is acceptable except the biblical one. Um, this is a great victory. We need to rejoice in that. That's why I shared it with you. So there you go. So tomorrow night, Bareface, are you going to do a show tomorrow? Um, that is my plan. Yes. Alrighty. Well, I hope you guys join us tomorrow. Uh, if you like our show and you want to support our show by becoming a pillar of our community, um, I would graciously ask you to pray about that and consider what you can donate to us every month. Um, as we continue to do what God's called us to do. Look, I've said this before. I have no desire to make a name for myself. None. (laughs) I want to make disciples and I want to build people up in their faith so that they know who they are and they, they're confident and they're healthy, you know, individuals. Um, but we need your help. I mean, Randall and I really do need your help. We're, we're at a place right now where it seems like the Lord's closing some doors in other areas for us financially. <laughs> and, uh, and, and there might be a big move here. Uh, with this. So in a couple of, couple of days, hopefully, we're going to have up our new website. You're going to see that. Um, we are still looking to raise some funds for a new mixer, which Randall shared last night. It's audio mixer. It's going to actually replace four pieces of equipment we have right now that are like over 15 years old each. Um, you know, so if you want to donate towards that, I still think we need about $300 for that. Um, 
And, you know, if you're one of our friends who hasn't donated in a while, this is this would be a very good time to do it. Um, you know, and I would ask you to to consider that because, um, yeah, well, let's just say God knows and we're sharing what our need is. So do what God tells you to. <laughs> All right. As I said, go over to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. You can give over there. It is a tax deductible donation and um, it will be to Heart Tug International because we're trying to tug your heart towards God. (laughs) All right. So Bible News Radio exists to reach the hearts of people one verse at a time. And I hope that we've done that tonight for you and encourage you. Uh, Again, go watch that um, video of Julie, uh, I, I linked in our comment section, but if you're not in there and you're listening to the archive, it's, it's titled Julie Roy's an unmistakable move of God. Go over there and watch it and then do what God tells you to do. And remember, God knows you. He loves you. He sees everything you're going through and He'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you and he will always 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 comfort you and give you what you need to do what he's called you to do so if you're somebody out there and you're dealing with something like that don't get discouraged you know what God's working he is he's totally working um, but sometimes the fruit takes a little time to see So don't give up, okay? And uh, we'll see you tomorrow night.